You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. See if you can get this toolbox off me. Oh, come on, Buzz. I. Buzz, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I can't help. I can't help anyone. Why, sure you can, Buzz. You can get me out of here. And then I'll get that rocket off you, and we'll make a break for Andy's house. Andy's house, Sid's house. What's the difference? Oh, Buzz. You've had a big fall. You you must not be thinking clearly. No, Woody. For the first time, I am thinking clearly. You were right all along. I'm not a space ranger. I'm just a toy, a stupid little insignificant toy. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Yeah, right. No, it is. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest. And it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. But why would Andy want me? Why would Andy want you? Look at you! You're a Buzz Lightyear! Any other toy would give up his moving parts just to be you. You've got wings! You glow in the dark! You talk! Your helmet does that, that, that whoosh thing! You are a cool toy! As a matter of fact, you're too cool. I mean... I mean, what chance does a toy like me have against a Buzz Lightyear action figure? All I can do is... There's a snake in my boots! Why would Andy ever want to play with me when he's got you? I'm the one that should be strapped to that rocket. Listen, Buzz, forget about me. You should get out of here while you can. Buzz, what are you doing? I thought you... Come on, Sheriff. There's a kid over in that house who needs us. Now let's get you out of this thing. Yes, sir. Good morning. I'm David Freeman. I'm your community impact director, and I get to stand up here this morning and talk to you about being a buzz light here in somebody's life. Uh, you know, sometimes I come in just really excited to preach, and this morning wasn't one of those mornings. I don't know why I wasn't feeling it, but the songs this morning, I hope to tie them in well with, with how, as you were singing them, uh, the sermon came alive for me this morning. So, yeah, last week we talked about mentoring. Today we're going to talk about mentoring because that is one of the most powerful growth tools Jesus gave us together. One-on-one conversations. That great passage from Proverbs 24, what is that, 27, 17. 
As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Jim and I were sitting back here looking out. I said, man, this, this congregation is just full of so many neat people. He said, yeah, the experience in this room is incredible. I agree. I think many of you could come up here and preach this sermon. Better than I could, probably. You know, I was kind of born into a church nursery. As soon as I could, as soon as my parents could take me there, I was in the church nursery. I've been through every type of Sunday school, well, okay, most, every type of Sunday school, discipleship training, classes, seminars, conferences, camps. I was privileged to work at Discovery Ministries for 17 years, and basically what I got to do at Discovery Ministries for 17 years was have this little laboratory, if you will, because I, I always struggled with dysfunctional church life. And at Discovery Ministries, I got to really use people and groups as guinea pigs to figure out, is it possible for a group of people to function with unity? The kind of unity where individuals are kind of encouraged and given a platform to pursue their individual uh, personhood and, and passions, and yet at the same time, we would have the synergy of common goals. And I came away from all those experiences just convinced that one-on-one -on -one debriefing opportunities are vital to that kind of environment for every person, every step along the way. And frankly, after I left Discovery Ministries, I thought, I don't know that that is possible to do in a church. I don't know that I'll ever find a church that'll do this thing that I think is so vital. Three years ago, I was in a hospital bed thinking, okay, Lord, I guess all that passion is kind of past. I, I guess you kind of consider it that I, I kind of did my thing for you at Discovery Ministries, maybe during the tornado at, at Joplin, and, and now I'm kind of out to pastor, kind of giving me a nice, comfortable place to stay for the rest of my life, and there really isn't much left. I never thought I would be on a church staff. I never thought I would be in a church whose church board sat down a year and a half earlier and said, we really think that a major focus of this church has got to be mentoring. We really think that one-on-one -on -one is vital. And I never, ever thought I'd be put in charge of it and be standing up preaching in front of a bunch of capable mentors. And it's because of mentors here at this church that that has happened. Four specific people over the past six years have spoken into my life and brought out that passion. If you will, got on top of the crate and pushed off the toolbox and, and kind of challenged me to say yes to things that I probably would not have otherwise that led to right now. And that's what this church is about. I love being a part of this church. I'm not the only one who's having kind of dreams, dreams that were deep down that I didn't even know about coming true because of mentorship Last week, one of the life change participants ducked her head in my office and said, hey, can I take a life change plan folder? I need to go talk to somebody about it. Sure. She disappeared. 30 minutes, she came back. 30 minutes later, she said, 
You know, I came in here for a totally different reason this morning, but I ran into somebody out in the office, and she needed to talk about Jesus, and she needed to hear about the life change plan. And as this person told me this story, her eyes were just vibrant and on fire. And we sat there and had this conversation. There is absolutely nothing more deeply satisfying than knowing that you are being used by Jesus for his mission on this earth. It just isn't. Oh, I want to say this right. Jesus tells us that our existence is vibrant and abundant, and he offers to set us free to live into that. And I don't know, for some reason, it's so challenging. You know, we're just bombarded with entertainment and advertisements that tell us different. They tell us, if only, well, when this happens, then. And, and we're all kind of tempted to go around pursuing just this tons of entertainment and comfort when what we really, really crave deep down is a pound of satisfaction. Jesus is the answer for this world. The more I think through the ramifications of that, the more I believe it. If you've experienced those changes in your life, you just know you wish you could just throw those changes, that freedom, into everybody's lives. And, and all these situations would clear up and get better. And the church, each and every one of us, standing here, sitting here, who are Jesus followers, we are his chosen tool to spread that solution and that hope himself. So, yes, mentorships, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. Here, wherever you are, we are challenging you to step into that, into that deep satisfaction of being used by Jesus, sometimes in ways you didn't even imagine. So, like the bumper video portrayed, you know, the thought that I have to be a superhero in order to be of worth or of value to speak into a person's life. You know, I need to have it all together. I need to be perfect. I need to have a good story. I need to spend an hour in prayer every morning and really commune with the Lord in order to be worthy. You know, I, I think at the least that's a misconception. And at the worst, that is a lie straight from the great deceiver to keep us from jumping in. I'm not qualified. My failures disqualify me. That's, that's one of two big reasons I hear for people not stepping into a ministry of some sort. When the reality is, when we open up and share our failures with someone else, somehow that gives them freedom to grow through theirs. Yes, you, you might come and talk to Bob or me about being a mentor, and we might ask you questions about your life and decide, you know what, for right now, you need to focus on, on getting healthy yourself. 
And I'll tell you what, we have mentors who have done about anything in this life that you can imagine. Right now, current mentors who have a past. They used to. I love that part of being a Christian. I used to be, but now I'm not. Right? Drug use. Extramarital affairs. We have, we have mentors who've done all these things. Lying to cover it all up. Totally messing up their families. Oh, wait, wait, right. I'm describing King David. <laughs> the guy who wrote most of the Psalms that do such an effective job of mentoring us. Right? Yeah. You don't have to be perfect to be a mentor. I, the second thing I often hear is, you know what, I just don't have the resources. Usually, time and or health. And I appreciate that. I mean, we talk about maintaining margin around here, maintaining boundaries. You know, you've got to have time to rest. I'm a firm believer in Sabbath. Oh, boy, I'm trying to get so that I actually do Sabbath very well every week. That is so challenging. So, yeah, we get it when we call or ask and you say, ah, you know, I'm in a, a place my health just needs to recover a little bit or I've got too many commitments right now. Great. We've got a great way in place to kind of ask you, well, when would you like us to ask you again? Six months? Nine months? A year from now? Two years from now? Great. And I kind of want to balance that thought with this conversation that I had with a wonderful woman about last week. She said, you know, I was sitting in the sermon last week. And I was, I, I've kind of committed to doing this mentor thing, but as I was sitting there, I started feeling negative and hesitant and started coming up with reasons why I shouldn't do this. And she said, and all of a sudden, I just had this clear voice blast through and say, you can do this. I will be with you. So she said, okay, so I'm all in. God has told me it's not about my resources, it's about his yeah. You don't have to be a superhero. You just have to be obedient. Take a little bit of a risk. Stand with me, if you will. We're going to let Galatians 6, 1 through 10, kind of wash over us. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome, even by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly Help that person back onto the right path. And, you know, be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. <laughs> you're not that important. Ugh. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. A lot of versions say load. Each person carries their own load. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. You know what? I'm just going to talk about that one because I'm not going to talk about it later. Because I kind of thought, what's this thing about paying preachers doing in the middle of this passage? But then I started thinking about it in in overall context of what we're talking about and, and mentoring and, and, and helping each other. And then I realized, wait a minute, when I'm, when I'm doing a tough ministry, sometimes it's painful. And the thing that keeps me going most is when the person to whom I am ministering tells me how God is working in his life. 
sharing the good that God is doing in his life with me helps me keep going. So all you who have a mentor, please risk sharing the good things in your, that God is doing in your life with your mentors. Keep them going. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. The Word of God for all of us. Amen. You may be seated. All right, I'm going to talk about a couple things that mentors do. First is, they're menders, M-E-N-D-E-R. Those who are godly should gently and humbly help that person right on, back onto the right path. Okay, I love this word, restore. Uh, help the person back onto the right path. This word is, is used in Matthew for the disciples restoring a net when Jesus comes and talks to them. It's really a word that means, oh boy, where is that? Make fit or to equip thoroughly for an object or a person. So in Seedbed, this last August 14th, they gave a great definition of repent. Repent means to realign one's life with a bigger story. A better one. It means re-aiming and recalibration, as in renewing. We all, a net. You know, if you use a net, it needs to be mended. If you use a machine, it needs to be recalibrated. If you use your car, it does need a, 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 fix, a checkup every once in a while, whatever those are called. Tune-up, there you go. And with, that's what mentoring does is you have a chance to go back in and kind of through debriefing how you're, how you're making your aim towards your goals, how you're headed towards the purity that you're aiming for. Hey, you know, for me, it's right now trying to speak without saying, um. And I have somebody who asks me about that. Whatever it is you're aiming for, when you go out and get into life, you kind of get broken a little bit, out of calibration a little bit. We all need to sit down and recalibrate frequently. That's a great picture of what the scripture is talking about. Our goal is by the end of December 2019 to have 250 mentors in this church. Right now, we have 136. Now, that would be 500 people getting together on a weekly or every other week basis to recalibrate. So we have a couple of distinct mentorships around here. One kind of set of mentorships is for people who have fallen into a dark place and they're really climbing out. It, and it's a hard climb out. Another kind of the spiritual guide uh, side of things is for people who are generally in a healthy place and are just 
trying to get deeper with the Lord. And I'll tell you, I am a spiritual guide. I'm also a life change plan mentor. You know the difference between the two when I go in as a mentor to listen, to, to be a mentor for my mentee? You know how different it is for me to try to figure out how to help them? It's not. I do the exact same thing in both situations. All I do is try to be a calm presence who helps the other person figure out where he currently is, lets him tell me where he wants to go, and then I ask him about how it's going, getting where he wants to go. That's, that is what I do as a mentor. That's what, that's what my mentors do for me. They just kind of hold me accountable in a very gentle, calm way. I love this word, gently and humbly. As tired as I get of using my wife as an illustration of maturity compared to my immaturity, I'm going to do it one more time. Because as, as a picture between gentle and humble, I'm going to talk about house fix-it-up projects. When I think about doing a handyman project, I just instantly get stressed out. I mean, I'm instantly in, oh no, here we go again mode, and I'm frustrated, and I, I, it's really weird. I start breathing heavy. I mean, my sweat starts pouring. I just, I just don't want to do it. My wife, she thinks about a fix-it-up project, and she's, oh, this might be fun. You know, because she gets into a five-minute project that turns into two days, and she's fine with that. She's comfortable with that. It's no problem. She just kind of figures out what needs to be done next and goes on. I get into a five-minute project, and if it goes six minutes, I'm mad. Well, okay. I bet I couldn't do that again if I tried. Okay, I'm, I'm dealing with the temptation of getting mad. My wife will tell you I'm doing much better with handyman projects. I can go about eight minutes now without getting stressed out. Okay? But that is the spirit of gentle and humble. It is just sitting there calm no matter how long it takes no matter what challenges we run into. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, David, sorry, you don't want me as a mentor because I'm more like you doing handyman projects when I sit down with somebody else. You know, I just got to fix them. I got to jump in and solve their problems. I need to be the superhero with all the answers. Well, you might consider starting in some of our easier mentorships because that's a good place to learn, to sit calm and not need to have the answers. Just be a calm, listening presence. Maybe that's why we say, hey, being a mentor is a huge boon to the people who are mentors. <laughs> well, the second thing that mentors do, and this is, I, I think, a reason why many of us don't want to take the challenge of being a mentor. Mentors stay healthy. The most important element of being a mentor is modeling health. Okay, if you're like me, your mind just went to all the ways that you don't model health in your mind or in your life that maybe don't, people don't know about, but you know about? Okay. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. And, it, you know, the Scripture also talks about share each other's burdens 
but each person is responsible for their own load. It is a burden. I came to the conclusion in my life that there are two forms of hypocrisy. The first is, I'm telling you what to do. I'm advising you what to do. And we both know that I'll never do it because I'm superior and I don't need to do that. That only applies to you. And we all hate that hypocrisy. And there is another type of hypocrisy that looks strikingly similar to it, and I'm going to call this training hypocrisy. All right? Training hypocrisy is, look, I know that I should be here. And I have to look you in the eye and say, honestly, I'm here. I wish that I could snap my fingers and be here instantly, but it seems like this is just a long, hard row. I, I mean, I try to do it, I try to do it, I fall back. I try to do it, I try to do it, I fall back. And frankly, I don't even want to talk about the thing that I should be here and that we should be here because I know, looking you in the eye, that I am a hypocrite because I'm not here. And there's something about being really honest about that about where I actually am and when I have actually failed that kind of gives the people around me freedom to be the same way and rather than hiding and, and slinking back, to keep being courageous to move forward even though we all know we're going to slip. And, and working with the recovery community, I've learned some great terminology for that. The difference between lapse and relapse. And lapse is when I, I go and I slip, but I, get, I keep going further. And, you know, I lapse, but I keep going further. I lapse, and eventually I get there. And, and some, it seems like God does this. When we get to that thing and we're finally pure, without hypocrisy, then he comes to us and says, oh, by the way, there's another area in your life that I'd like to give you freedom in. Now that you've got freedom here, now you're able to work on this other training hypocrisy you have in your life. It's just great, this great thing. So don't let the training hypocrisies in your life prevent you from being a mentor. They can actually be helpful with talking honestly with your mentee about his or her training hypocrisies. Yeah. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptations yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone else, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Pay careful attention to your work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone. Mentoring is worth it. It's worth the effort. It's worth the investment. Watch this video. who's not going to just tell me what I want to hear, who's going to be real with me and tell me the truth. It gives me a Christian advisor for the rest of my life. It really helped me develop a relationship with God. And, uh, you know, you see the people around you having a relationship with God and you want to know what it's like. Uh, and they tell you that you need to have your own one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. Well, Colin helped me walk through the steps on how to understand scripture I was reading. We are both learning 
our ups and downs. We can talk about our ups and downs, and it's awesome. I mean, just the new foundation in Christ that we're all looking for to help build that stable relationship. We meet up whenever I need to. It's just sisterly love and somebody that's been there and done that that um, just can give me advice and help me with my walking God. Having a mentor has been instrumental for my going deeper in my faith and my relationship with God. Uh, he has just been so great about asking the right questions, uh, reminding me to listen to the Holy Spirit, reminding me uh, to not rely on my own strength, my own intelligence, my own know-how. I talk to him whenever I need someone to talk to, and I still have questions, you know, and he helps to answer them. You feel like you don't have anywhere to turn, you can talk to this person and they can help to direct you into the scriptures, which is the truth of all things. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So we have several mentor opportunities for you. Jobs for life, faith and finances, Pittman tutors, coach house, life change plan, Spiritual guides. Just kind of doing it on your own. There are lots of options. How do you become a mentor here at Schweitzer? Hey, we've got Upgrade Your Mentoring to this Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Sign up, sumc.co backslash upgrade-your-mentoring-2. Right? It's, it's pretty, pretty straightforward to sign up there. You can check your connection card. If you'll notice on your connection card, number one has two boxes on it. One is be a mentor. The other is want a mentor. Last week, a couple folks uh, checked the box and then did not put in any contact information. And folks, I didn't contact them. So if you want, if you want to talk to me more about mentorship, uh, I'll call you, I'll email you, whatever you want, but I need your contact information also when you check that box, please. And uh, we'll be sitting, I'll be sitting at the table back here. We have these great forms that kind of give you exactly what you're committing to for any of the mentorships that we have at Schweitzer. It's on the table back there. I'll be sitting there ready to talk to, with you after this sermon is over. So as the ushers come forward, I'd like you to please take out your connection card. Hold it in your hand. And just consider for a moment, in what ways are you investing all the resources over which you are a steward? Yes, we do offering every week to remind us, I'm just a steward of this. It really belongs to God. It's not just money. It's also everything you are. And uh, thank you.